The day after Thanksgiving, uh, Connie and I went to cut our Christmas tree. That's right, we still do that. We have done that uh, ever since our, our children were small and we would carry one or two of them. And uh, we, we love that tradition. And if nothing else, it has given me illustrations down through the years of disasters that can take place when you cut your own tree. Uh, and we've learned a lot of things, so we don't have quite as many as we, as we did uh, in the early years. But on that morning, we were uh, on our way to the Christmas tree farm. And we were actually traveling out on uh, Route 6, and a car in front of us uh, slowed down and pulled over. And I, I saw the reason, and I slowed down, and there was a line of cars behind me. In fact, I ended up stopping right in the middle of the road. It's a two-lane two -lane road, uh, because the reason the car in front of me pulled over was that uh, there was a little dog that was running on and off the road. And uh, so she pulled over. Um, she got out of her car. This dog uh, looked like it had a matted coat and like it had been on the road for a while. And uh, the young lady got down low and called the dog, and the dog went running over to her, and she picked it up and got in her car. Now, I don't know totally the rest of the story, obviously. Uh, she slowly pulled out, and I left. We went and got our Christmas tree and so on. But as we talked about it and thought about it, uh, there are some of, the, some of the things that we saw that morning that pertain to actually uh, bigger things, things that we're going to be talking about today. And so I want you to think about that, put that on the side burner just for a minute, and let's go back to our... Our theme verse for Advent, and that is 2 Corinthians 8, 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. Now, we have broken that down phrase by phrase. Week one of Advent, we uh, talked about for you know the grace of of our Lord Jesus Christ, and we talked about how it's all about grace, completely, that uh, the gospel and certainly what we celebrate at Advent is about grace, and we talked about what they knew of grace and what we do. And then week two, that though he was rich, and we talked about the glory that, that Jesus had as, uh, as the King of heaven, as the creator of the universe. And that until we understand uh, that and the glory that he had, we'll never understand how far he came in the incarnation, which was week three last week. Yet for your sake, 
he became poor. And we talked about God becoming flesh. And how long that trip was, the humiliation of Christ to be born in this world and to, to walk uh, in this world. And then this week, so that you by his poverty might become rich. So we're going to look at, at that phrase from our, our theme verse. We are poor. Jesus is rich. He became poor to make us rich. That's the gist of it right there. So we're going to use this other passage as our, uh, uh, part of our text today in 2 Corinthians 5, a text that most wouldn't think of as a, a Christmas text, and yet it's under the umbrella of what we just read. So let's begin in verse uh, 17 of 2 Corinthians 5. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal uh, through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God for our sake. He made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's bow together. Lord, we would ask now in these uh, few moments that you would teach us, that you would help us to focus upon you and not on, on the things that happened earlier today or the things that will happen after we leave here or all week long, but to focus upon you and what you have to say to us today. And, and we pray this in Jesus' name precious name. Amen. <clears throat> now first, let's go back to our, our little dog. Here are a couple of things he was experiencing. He was blissfully running on and off this road that most of the time people are driving rather fast. And uh, it would have been very easy for him uh, to be hit, someone to maybe wouldn't even, even know it necessarily. Um, it was a, a dog on the smaller side. The dog was in great danger, and he didn't even know it. He really acted like he really didn't even know it at that moment. And the stray didn't appear to even know how lost he was. Now, think about that and put that on the, 
on the side burner again. We're calling today uh, God and Sinners Reconciled, and that's from, of course, Hark the Herald, Angels Sing. That phrase is. Some will say, well, why do you even talk about God and sinners reconciled? I don't feel unreconciled at all to God. And yet, to say that and really to believe that is to be as oblivious to your plight without Christ as that little dog was that was running on and off that road. Since we're all thinking about gifts this time of year, I want to uh, talk about what we're going to talk about in using gift terms. Now, I'm going to use them differently. I'm going to use them in more of an eternal way. So we're going to talk about the gift itself, the cost, and the exchange. But I'm going to uh, use them uh, in a little bit different way because especially with the exchange, which we're going to start with, uh, normally when a gift is exchanged is because there's something wrong with the gift or you don't like the gift or there's something you'd rather have than that gift and so you take the gift after um, showing surprise and, and gratitude and you find out if, do you still have the receipt, by the way? Anyway, um, and take it back on, on the 26th. Now, that's what we think of as the exchange. And I want us to talk about a, a different kind of exchange from the passage that I just read, verse 21. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. It starts out, for our sake, for us. So we are, we're pulled into that. This isn't just something that, that happens out there. It is something that was for us. And notice what it says. He made him to be sin who knew no sin. He didn't just bear our sin, though he did bear our sin. But the scripture here says he was made to be sin. Now let's, let's focus on that for just a minute. We can't think how awful that, that would be even, even for us. And, and we are flawed and we are sinners but we're talking about the Holy One who had no sin to become sin. So what really are we talking about in terms of what went on on the cross? Don't ever make the mistake of thinking that on the cross, the worst thing that happened to Jesus was the, the physical pain and suffering. That was bad. It was awful. It was something that when we, when we hear it described, none of us would ever want to experience that kind of pain and suffering. But you know what? Others down through history, from time to time, have experienced that kind of physical pain that kind of suffering, some perhaps even more 
So it wasn't about the physical pain and suffering. Though we focus on that, we are impassioned by it. But his greatest pain that was on Jesus on the cross was when his father, who he had been in glory with, his father made him to be sin. At that moment, he was the most sinful being ever in the universe. All of the sin of all of his people was put upon him, and the wrath of the Father was poured out upon him. And that was his, his anguish, and that was his suffering. He experienced all of the pains of hell for all of his people for all time. That's what he experienced on the cross. Now why did he need to become sin for us? So that in him, this verse says, we might become the righteousness of God. So there's the exchange. There is the the great exchange. Our sin is put upon Jesus on the cross. His righteousness is put upon us. And so that perfect one gives us his righteousness. That means not only at, at that moment when our sin was put on him was he the most sinful one ever. When his righteousness is put on us, we're as good as Jesus. <laughs> Unbelievable. And if that doesn't drive you to worship, you, you haven't gotten it yet. And so, that's the exchange. But it was not without cost. Now, think of our little dog. The one who wanted to save the dog couldn't have kept driving. She, she couldn't have, and I'm glad she stopped. I don't know if I would have. I've seen other dogs like that. If she had kept driving, even if she had had compassion for that dog and kept driving, it wouldn't have helped the dog at all. Even if she'd rolled down her window and said, get off the road, it wouldn't have helped at all. But she stopped the car. She left the comfort of her car. She got down on the dog's level and kindly called the dog. And I believe it was her kindness that caused the dog to come to her. Now let's look at at this cost over in Isaiah 53, which we read often as the elements are passed in communion. I want to remind us why this is the application of the Christmas story. Uh, Isaiah 53, we're thinking of the suffering servant and the tendency is to think, well, that's Maundy Thursday, that's Easter. Well, well, it is. They're all tied together, absolutely. But that's why 
His coming to earth was necessary was because of our sin. The cost for Jesus didn't begin when He was put on the cross. The cost began when He left heaven for us and He took on flesh. That's when the cost began. When He, the lawgiver, became obedient to the law. How humiliating. What humiliation and humility. He lived the perfect life that qualified Him to go to the cross. Listen to what what it means in Isaiah 53. Surely He has borne our griefs. Get the back and forth in this. He has borne our griefs. This is verse 4. And carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed Him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon Him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with His wounds, we are healed. All we, like sheep, have gone astray and we've turned to our our own way. And the Lord has laid on Him, upon Jesus, the iniquity of us all. You see, there's the the exchange, but it's the absolute cost. It It was Him for us. And that's the only way that it could be. And that was the high cost. If He hadn't taken on flesh, He couldn't have taken our place. And then we see that gift How in the world is it received? Well, in Philippians 3, we read these words from the Apostle Paul. Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. There's the knowing part. And let me skip down. That I may gain Christ and be found, verse 9, be found in Him. And here's the key not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law. See, here's the thing. If Paul could have had a righteousness of his own that came from the law, if you could have had a righteousness of your own that came from the law, Jesus wouldn't have had to leave glory in heaven and come. But we couldn't. And so he says, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. That's the gift right there. His righteousness given to us. And that's what it means that we became rich. The riches that we now have if we are trusting in Christ alone, is because Christ gave us His riches and His precious Holy Spirit caused our hearts to open up to Him. The poet, singer, songwriter, Leonard Cohen died in uh, November of this year. 
and for many who didn't know of uh, his other works, he was famous for his uh, kind of biblically infused song, Hallelujah. And it's been sung everywhere from church to Shrek. Well, it was Shrek was where most people, you know, became a fan of that, uh, that song. And uh, everybody worth anything has uh, covered it down through the years. He, he says this in that song, though. I'll stand before the Lord of song with nothing on my tongue but hallelujah. That's the last, the last words. Great words. Now, he would often protest that uh, he was not a very religious person. In fact, he was Jewish. Jewish background. Never really said that he left that. But shortly before his death, he did an interview with the New Yorker. I heard about that. I don't take the New Yorker, but I looked up the interview. And he said, he said this, I know there's a spiritual aspect to everybody's life, whether they want to cop to it or not. It's there. You can feel it. Now again, remember, he's Jewish. That means he doesn't look at Christ as, as the Savior. And yet, this is what he said, commenting on another one of his songs. What I mean to say in this particular song is that there are many things about Christianity that attracts me. The figure of Jesus is extremely attractive. It's difficult not to fall in love with that person. After praising Christ's emphasis on uh, resurrection and rebirth, this is what he then said. When we have this notion that there's no mechanism for resurrection, there is no redemption from sin. Then we're forced to embrace evil and get the kind of activity like genocide. <laughs> now, I don't, I don't think that has to be the application, but that would be the mind of, of Leonard Cohen there. Now, I hope Leonard Cohen came to faith. We don't have any indication that he did. I, I hope it, somehow he came to faith in, in Christ but what he was at the very least was he was haunted by Christ. But you know what haunts me? Is that there are lots of people like him that might recognize there's, there's some kind of a resurrection, there's some kind of redemption, and, and it haunts them, but they never take the step of trusting in Christ alone for eternal life. And how tragic would that be for us here in this beautiful Advent season to hear the glory of Christ, of His great exchange, for it to even affect us but how tragic would it be if we are not then drawn to faith in Him? 
That little dog, if the dog had run away or ignored the one calling, wouldn't have received the next part of its life. I don't know what happened to it, but I am convinced that the next part of that little dog's life was better than the previous part. I'm convinced he would have been loved, was taken care of, and protected in Christ, even though we may have little concept of how lost we are, what kind of danger we are in, he came. He stooped low. And he is calling. Let's bow together. Lord, even in these moments, if if we don't even know ourselves or we've fooled ourselves into thinking that we are Christ followers, but, but the reality is we're simply haunted by Christ or wannabes, will you cause your spirit, even in this moment, to make us aware of that and enable us by faith to trust in Jesus alone for our eternal life. And we pray this in his precious name. Amen.